Hello, everybody, and welcome back to 100 Years 100 Movies. Today is day 25 of the season of The Witch, and today we're going to be talking about Japanese horror. Now, Japanese film in general is very important to the progression of um, of movies, and I've talked a lot about Akira Kurosawa, I, well, more so than anybody. I'm not saying that Kurosawa is the end-all, be-all of um, Japanese film, but he is very important. I've also mentioned... Um, you know, movies like Battle Royale in the past. Now, I think that for many people, when they think of Japanese horror, they jump right away to something like uh, Ring You or The Ring or Juan slash The Grudge. And supernatural elements are really important in Japanese horror, but they don't make up all of Japanese horror. And yes, um, there are a lot of supernatural elements in these movies. However, there's different takes on what is horrific and really different views on it because think about it this is probably the closest thing we have to an actual post-apocalyptic society in japan having you know uh, been bombed by us americans in any case now while i will talk about supernatural movies i wanted to start with a different director um takashi miike now takashi miike much like uh, directors that have worked for a long time in horror movies, much, I'm thinking of someone like Lucio Fulci, for example, isn't just a horror director. A lot of his movies have themes that would fall right in line with horror movies, but he's also done, like, family-friendly movies. However, I mean, Eli Roth did do The House of the Clocks on its, The House of the Clocks in its Walls, which is a kid's movie, and this is Eli Roth we're talking about, you know, who did Hostel <laughs> in The Green Inferno. So it's not uncommon for someone, a director, to branch out and do different things. Just because you do horror movies doesn't mean that you can't do something else. Now, Takashi Miike is someone whose movies really revolve around certain themes of uh, sexuality and violence and extreme depictions of both. Two, I want to spotlight two of his movies today, both being horror movies. The first is Audition, which came out in 1999. Audition is a movie that kind of lulls you to thinking that it's not necessarily a horror movie but as the as it progresses there's definite horror elements until it leads into this grand third act that doesn't necessarily come out of nowhere but i think reaches levels of depravity that based on the earlier parts of the movie you weren't necessarily thinking it was going to go there um audition revolves around a widowed man who middle-aged man who decides or his son asks him why he hasn't remarried, and so he decides to kind of get back into the game. However, he hasn't been dating for so long that he doesn't know where to start. A friend of his basically sets up these fake auditions for a movie that doesn't exist. And through this, it's really a way for um, this man, um, uh, Aoyama, um, to really kind of meet someone that he wants to marry he ends up meeting um this one girl asami who he becomes obsessed with and eventually he starts dating her uh, or they go on a date however asami isn't all there and i mean yeah i guess i'll just go into it um this is a movie that i think works best when you don't really know what's going to happen but yeah fuck it um (laughs) this is ruined for me so i'm gonna ruin for all you um Asami's fucking crazy. She ends up torturing um, Aoyama once she notices that he has a picture of his deceased wife. And in his, throughout his torture, basically he tells him that 
uh, it is inaccessible, uh, um, unacceptable for him to love anybody else besides her because she only loves him. And the way that she proves his love is by torturing him, cutting off his foot, um, amongst other things. And this is just some of the depravity in this movie. In a way, uh, I think what's really shocking about this is that you don't really expect this. But if you're talking about Takashi Miike, I think a movie that really kind of shows him going to like Paul Verhoeven levels of ridiculousness in um, his violence and takes on sex, you have to talk about Ichi the Killer from 2001, just a few years later. Ichi the Killer is based on a manga or Japanese comic book for the uninitiated um, about this character Ichi who is basically a repressed psychotic killer and in the movie we end up following um um actually this other mob boss uh or actually he's a, not a mob boss but a, a yakuza enforcer kakihara who has a glasgow smile um much like the joker in um the dark knight now ichi as i've mentioned is <laughs> this repressed psychopath and a lot of the violence in this movie that is related to Ichi, because it's not all related to him, has, first of all, it's ridiculous. This is a movie wherein people get literally sliced in half, um, bifurcated, my, one of my favorite words, um, heads are chopped off, people's jugulars are nicked, and gallons of blood gush out. I, I mean, something that would make a um, earlier um, samurai movie proud you know uh, it, it's just ridiculous there's, there's scenes where he literally slices people to pieces and there's nothing but gore on the walls a, a face fucking flies off and slams up against the wall at one point um but anyway this a lot of these these scenes are either preceded by shots of cum or interspersed with both um geysers of blood and cum which i'm like i you know I don't think that's humanly possible either way for a human body to hold that much body, that much uh, blood or for a man to orgasm that much. In any case, as I mentioned, this is a lot of the violence in this movie isn't even just from Ichi. Like a lot of it related to Ichi is um, we see the aftermath of it. People, uh, I remember one of the scenes that stuck with me for the longest time from this movie uh, was a man who has his back he's basically suspended from hooks that are going throughout his back and then has boiling hot oil poured all over his back to or increase the torture um kakiara himself has a glasgow smile and he <laughs> he literally removes um pieces of jewelry that are keeping his jaw together in order to be able to uh extend his jaw even bigger and eat people kind of like not not like he's a cannibal but um like at one point he gets punched right in the face and he's able to um uh with his mouth is able to open up enough to um for the fist to go in and he is able to scrape off the skin from this guy's hand like this movie's insane this movie's ridiculous and <laughs> this is um mika himself i think really kind of relishes the reactions that people get to his movie this is a movie that um in order to uh, to promote it, would give barf bags with the logo of the movie, which I might add was uh, literally uh, when the movie starts, the logo is made in cum. Uh, it's <laughs> it's that kind of movie. Now, 
like I said, uh, Mika is someone who just kind of really relishes, I think, messing with people and kind of going to these crazy extremes. And on top of it, you know, I mean, he, this is someone who said his favorite movie is Starship Troopers. <laughs> so, you know, he's going for that Verhoeven. Let's just fucking go all out for it. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier, I think most people, when they think of Japanese horror, probably think of The Ring. Um, and I say The Ring because I think here in America, they don't necessarily think about the original Ring You. They think about the American remake with Naomi Watts, The Ring, um, which was more or less the same movie. Um, Ring You is about a cursed videotape where if um, you watch this tape, the um, th- this uh, entity, Sadako, will kill you within seven days. And the only way to survive is to make a copy of that tape and show it to somebody else. There's no other way to escape. If you don't do that, you die. It's this cycle of um, of you being fucked, basically. And the cycle of you having to victimize others in order to survive. Which is really interesting because it's, it's almost this idea of no matter... You can't do anything good. Once you cross this spirit, it has so much anger for what happened to it that it's going to get its revenge either on you or on somebody else which is an idea that's been done by other movies. Um, the last I could think of more recently was Truth or Dare, where it's like a cursed YouTube video, <laughs> and they end up sending it to everybody. Um, now, the other movie that I think that came out around that same time, because uh, Ringu came out in 98, and the remake, I want to say, came out like in 2001, um, was Juan or The Grudge. Um, which was directed by Takashi Shimizu, both as Juan, the original Japanese movie, and The Grudge with Sarah Michelle Gellar, the remake here in America. Um, the Grudge has a similar idea about these spirits that are trapped in this cycle of um, of hatred, really. Uh, the main spirit, um, Kayako, and her son were both killed uh, Toshio is the son. Uh, so their spirits are trapped in this house and anyone who goes in is going to die. And there's no escape. There's just a finality to it that no matter what you do, you're fucked. <coughs> <coughs> sorry. Um, sorry about that. Uh, allergies. They suck. That's a true horror. Now, The Grudge is, I think, one of those movies where... It's interesting in the sense that you, there really is nothing you can do. If you cross the spirit, that's it, you're done. And that idea, I think, is something that's prevalent a lot of times in um, old Japanese folklore. And I think also in, in not just in Japan, but in other countries as well. But this idea uh, almost of you doing something wrong and there being no, no way of atoning for it, you're going to have to pay for it with your life. Now, both of these movies were extremely popular to the point that they not only spawned remakes, there was franchises. And in 2016, we actually got a crossover movie with Sadako versus Kiyako, which, you know, I, I've never seen it. It sounds like a silly idea, but basically um, the, the main characters um, have these two spirits face each other in order to survive after uh, one of them originally um, upsets Kiyako by being, going into the home. And then basically uh, six Sadako on her. I've heard this isn't very good, but just the fact that these 
two franchises led to a Freddy versus Jason or Frankenstein meets the Wolfman level of crossover is kind of insane and really just kind of shows that people want to keep watching these characters even if um, the quality isn't necessarily there. Because let's face it, both of those franchises, uh, all those franchises that I've mentioned, once they got to that crossover part, it, they were done. <laughs> there really wasn't, this was like them scraping the barrel of just trying to get people's money. Um, now, all these movies that I've mentioned have, have all been in the late 90s and the 2000s. And that's not to say that there isn't, um, or, or there aren't older horror movies from Japan. Um, a lot of them, uh, th- th- throughout the history of Japan, there's, there's been lot, plenty of horror movies. And one of the more one of the older ones, at least comparatively speaking, is 1989's Tetsuo the Iron Man. Uh, Tetsuo the Iron Man is these crazy practical effects, and as this main character, um, who's just called the man, uh, as he um, continues to become more and more metal-like, there's even a sequence where even his penis becomes a giant drill and he ends up killing his girlfriend, um, his movie is nuts. Part of the appeal for me, I think, is that you have these crazy, crazy, like, just practical effects, uh, a lot of it done with puppets and, and just trying to get things done just as practically as possible. Once again, this is 89, so it is an anime based on, on a manga. But Tetsu is is nuts. It's great to watch and just to kind of see the insanity of something like that. 19 before this and kind of going a bit further back um the year 1964 gave us two really interesting horror movies the first being onibaba by kaneto shindo uh which followed which is basically the story of uh 14th century japan where you follow these two women who are living in a shack out in the wilderness and in order to survive they murder samurai and then sell their things they basically Kind of going to this whole idea of just the importance of the supernatural in Japanese culture, this really just kind of ghost stories. And these are based on a novel written by Lafcadio Hearn, who was, I believe, Scottish, but he was responsible for really um, introducing Japanese culture to the West it, it, through, his, through his novels more than anything. Now, not to say that he made these stories up or anything like that. The, these are all these ghost stories are all based on um, Japanese folklore, and um, Kobayashi himself was an auteur. He he was some somebody who really stuck to his guns and really kind of went for a lot of surreal, like surreal um, visuals. I guess blanking on the word in his movies, and he kind of wanted to do things his way, but the guy definitely had an indelible mark. Um, his work influenced people like Yamato Toro, for example. Um, not So it's not not just a mark like on horror, but just on movies in general, because uh, one of the striking differences between Onibaba and Kwaidan is that Onibaba's in black and white, which really lends itself to this story of mistrust and to kind of amping up that type of isolationist isolationism that happens in this movie between, or the isolated nature of the characters and how they live versus quite on which is this visual treat and i believe won like the oscar for best foreign film if i remember correctly that year in, in any case this is even if, if you're not a big horror fan and this isn't something that is extremely gory yes there, there are some core elements but 
really the visuals really sing in this movie. This is a beautiful movie to see. And for that alone, I think it's it's important and worth checking out. And just to see there someone who is willing to take these stories and to present them in a way that is so artistic. Uh, there's scenes that look like they're straight out of like paintings, basically. Like the once again, that idea of moving pictures. It's like moving paintings, and it's just a visual delight. On top of being this interesting uh, movie about ghosts with some great horror elements as well. True classic horror movie. Now, the Japanese, I think, are always trying to do different things. And as I mentioned when I was talking about zombies, people are always going for new and different ideas. And I think one of the more interesting ideas for a zombie movie came out in 2017 with One Cut of the Dead. Now, this is basically a horror comedy in the vein of Shaun of the Dead. In One Cut of the Dead, we follow a film crew that is... That is um, making this low-budget zombie movie. And unbeknownst to them, in the middle of them filming this movie, an actual zombie apocalypse occurs. So we have this crazy director who decides to just continue rolling and to just capture this craziness of people getting eaten. And this, a lot of it is played for laughs, but there is a lot of gore in this movie. And I mean, there's something about seeing someone get their leg hacked off and everyone else kind of laughing about it because it looks so realistic on film because it, it is real in, in the um, reality of the movie. The Japanese, I mean, they continue to innovate and continue to do interesting things, not just in horror, but in movies in general. And I think that the horror genre gives us a glimpse of not only that ingenuity, but also the variety of voices that we can have. Uh, and for that alone, I think that the Japanese, that Japanese horror movies are worth checking out. That's it for today, and we'll be back tomorrow.